welcome to Our Parents Did What? A tour of the parenting perils of yesteryear. I'm Diane Aragona. And I'm your co-host, Jen Tierney. Join us as we travel back in time to take a look at the sometimes unbelievable history of parenting. Hi, Diane. Hi, Jen. (laughs) How's everything going? Everything is going well. I'm back in my closet, which I'm like kind of a fan of, even though I'm just like sitting on the floor. (laughs) Yep. It can feel cozy. As you know, I'm currently reading a wonderful book called Parenting the Danish Way. Yes. And in Danish culture, there's this concept that's very big, which until quite recently, I didn't know how to properly pronounce, called Hygge. Hygge. Yeah. Hygge. Wonderful. So I think you are just experiencing the huga of your closet. I think I <laughs> it's am. It's super cozy in there. It it's is. It's nice and dark. And, mm. I do need to get a lamp, though, which I was I was going to bring the lamp from my bedroom in, but then I realized I don't have an outlet in here because it's a closet. <laughs> so I was like, hmm, I'll have to get creative on this one. So the <laughs> listeners can't see me, but I'm like sh- kind of shrouded in darkness as yeah. you're looking at me right now. We'll have to get you like an LED touch light or something. Yeah, just like a little one, like right on the wall there. We'll see. Mm -hmm. Why don't we do some mom moments and then you can let me know what we're talking about today. I'm going to have you go first because mine is going to (gasps) segue right in. You are so smooth. Look at me go. This is a little little tiny bit gross. (laughs) We have three bathrooms in our house. It's a bathroom mom moment joy. I mean. (laughs) The one down in the basement is a half bath. It's just a sink and a toilet. It's really small, very cute. I've decorated it in all of these things from my childhood. Oh. Pieces of art that my mom used to hang up in the house that I now have and like just really made it like this really cute little walking into the 90s. (laughs) It's very cute. I really like it. It's a cute little bathroom. But my kids are always like for the last two weeks – Mom, the bathroom downstairs smells weird. And I'm just like, guys, just like it's it's a bathroom. What do you mean? And yeah. like whenever I go in there, I'm like, yeah, it smells kind of musty in here. Yeah, okay. And I keep the I keep the door open and the toilet closed because otherwise the cats will go in there and mess around in the toilet and I'm so I just keep it just keep it closed and the door open so that the air can circulate and it's fine. And I went in there just now to like go to the bathroom real quick before we start recording and I open the toilet (laughs) my children don't know how to flush the toilet oh no they just don't know how to flush the toilet I haven't been in this bathroom in weeks like I don't use it that often yeah because it's a basement I only use it to fill up the cat's water because the cat's food and stuff's down here so I go in there to like fill up the cat's water and then I leave so I never open the toilet up my children Every single day of my life, I open a toilet to find poop in it at least once. Oh, God. I'm just like, guys, there are Daniel Tiger songs about this. Like when you go to the bathroom, you go to the bathroom, you flush and you wash and then you be on your damn way. (laughs) But they just go to the bathroom and leave those two other steps. No, just out the window. Why would we do those things? It's just an inconvenience to them. Hmm. Liam hasn't started using the potty yet, but I'm about to have three humans in this house who use the potty and just leave me poop. Maybe Liam will be the outlier. Maybe he will flush. That would be delightful. 
That would really be delightful. You never know. I mean, he would really secure his place as my favorite. Yeah, right? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. Just a little bit less poop in my life would be really clutch. I never realized what a large part of parenting poop would be. Oh, yeah. It's a huge part. It's a very large part. Well, my mom moment is, as we know, my daughter, you know, turned two recently. Very exciting. Mm-hmm. And I think one of my favorite things about this age and like turning two, I guess, I mean, she's been doing it since before she turned two, but this general age is that she's starting to do the whole pretend play thing. Mm-hmm. I have much more fun doing that kind of play than like playing with blocks or like stacking things. Like, I just, I don't care. You want to sit and like pretend we're going to school or something, or you want to put your dolls to bed. Great. That's fine. So I just have um, two toys that I wanted to talk about Mm -hmm. that my daughter got or that I got for her. One of them is, are you part of one of those groups on Facebook called Curb Alert? Yes. Have you heard of this? Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. So we have a Curb Alert for my town and somebody put an Ikea doll bed on Curb Alert. And I was like, I want it. It's mine. So I got it, but it was missing. It's just the frame. It's missing like the wood piece on the bottom where you'd put the mattress. So I have my dad build like just cutting a piece of wood to put on the bottom yeah, right, yeah. The mattress and her her favorite activity is putting her dolls to bed she, she lays them down on the floor she puts a blanket over them she goes sleeping and then like she lays down next to them so if she can actually put them in a bed she's gonna be thrilled yeah oh my so i'm very excited for that and then the other pretend play thing that we are now doing thanks to you jen is we are having tea parties yay <laughs> <laughs> Jen got uh, Jen and her family mm-hmm. got Rini um, a little tea set with unicorns mm-hmm. on it, rainbow unicorns, rainbow unicorns. It's the cutest thing in the world. And the crazy thing is, like, she never had a tea set before this, but with just minimal prodding from me, she knew exactly what to do with it. She mm-hmm. she like put the cups on the saucers, and I put two of her teddy bears out, and we gave everybody. And she was pouring the tea, and she was drinking it. It was so so sweet. It like melted my heart. I have very fond memories of my tea set growing up. So thank you for that. Oh, I'm so glad. Nice. So (laughs) we're going to go right into my topic. It got me thinking. Toy tea sets. It's like, why? (laughs) You know, like, it's like, why that? Why tea parties? Like, why? When did this become a thing? So I'm going to do the history of the children's toy tea sets. Oh, yay. Yeah. <laughs> I was totally going to do something different because I had another topic I was working on. Yeah. And then when, when we started playing with the tea set, I was like, I'm very curious about this. So I kind of switched gears. All right. Here we go. Like a lot of things we talk about, this all stems from ancient Greece. Mm, nice. Yes. In ancient Greece, children would play with small toys like balls or rattles, but not like we know them today. They would be made out of ceramic or pottery, right? Yeah. Or bone. Or bone. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so dolls as well. Dolls were a big thing in ancient Greece. So it, it was a thing where potters would just make mini versions of adult objects for children. Oh. So they found evidence of like 
maybe not a full tea set, but like mini like drinkware and stuff, you know, for children to play with. So that's probably like the original. But the first record of a toy tea set is from the 16th century. Mm. I believe France, somewhere in Europe, not positive. It was made of pewter and copper. Okay. That makes a lot of very good sense because, mm-hmm. I mean, the set that I got for you is tin. Yes. Metal is great for tea sets because I had a tea set that was made out of not those things and I was always terrified that I was going to break it. <laughs> yeah. Mine was plastic growing up. Yeah. So. I got Emma plastic set. <laughs> yeah. That's smart. <laughs> plastic, tin, anything you can't break is probably yes. safe. Tea sets at the time were made in Germany because that area of Europe was known for producing toys made of wood and metal. And then they would get, I guess, like, you know, distributed out to different European countries. Mm. Before porcelain, because we all kind of think of tea sets as porcelain tea sets, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, even for adults, like not even just for children, but you think of like beautiful porcelain china. Tea sets, even for children, were made out of gold, Sometimes silver was very common. Yeah. Pottery and obviously other various metals like we talked about. So um, silversmiths in Europe would create these like elaborate toy tea sets for children that were like almost like works of art. Yeah. Jeez. Which I thought was really cool. My mother-in-law, she went to London around the time that William and Kate got married. So okay. it was like crazy time in London. You know, whenever she goes and travels somewhere, she brings a little something back for me and my husband. And she bought me this beautiful, tiny, delicate – it's a little tiny plate to put your teaspoon on or your tea bag after yeah. you steep it. And it's, it's bone china. It's beautiful. I have it in my hutch and I just don't touch it. It's so beautiful. So pretty. I love like <laughs> novelty. I know. Like tea related china teapots. When I used to work at Tivana when that was still a you thing. Worked at Tivana? I worked at Tivana in college for like a year and a half. Yeah. Oh, wow. So I would I would get like discounted tea and stuff, but what I would also get is discounts on their teapots and if anything was ever like slightly defective like where they couldn't sell it, we could take it. Yeah. It was like eighty percent off. It was like it was like practically free. So like, yeah. I have these beautiful ceramic teapots that I got for like they were normally were like over a hundred dollars, but I got them for like really really cheap. Oh, that's great! Oh my gosh, yeah i I covet tea items like nobody's business. <laughs> hmm. I know. Yeah, you know, I'll have to remember that next time. I get you something nice. <laughs> Make a little mental note. Anyway, <laughs> um, this is why we get along, right? Uh-huh. Okay. We're going to move ahead to the 18th and the 19th century. Okay. In the 18th century, porcelain and faience became widespread. And we know what porcelain is, but faience is like a glazed ceramic ware. It's like particularly decorated tin glazed earthenware. It's a specific type that has like a glaze over it. So it looks shiny. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So that's the time when porcelain and faience start to become popular because 
because of like technological upgrades, I guess it's easier to manufacture at that point Mm -hmm. in time. So I think it was around before then, but it just becomes more widespread in use. So because it becomes like easier to make, it becomes kind of less restricted in what they use it for. So rather than just making like really fine, fancy tableware with it, they start to make toys. Mm -hmm. Which is like, why would you ever make a toy out of something so fragile? Yeah. I don't I don't understand this. <laughs> I don't know. I have no answers. <laughs> yeah. <what>? It... <laughs> I don't know. It doesn't make sense to me. I can't imagine giving my daughter something porcelain. There are a lot of things like that where you, you look at the history of what you dress children in or what you uh, – like anything like that because the materials were what was available and what – adults used Mm -hmm. they really just they didn't make things for children out of special children's materials no they just made smaller versions of adult stuff because they just didn't they didn't have what we have now so i mean like it it makes sense but yeah we live we live in a society where things are like made to be broken and replaced and i Mm -hmm. i think that that's very modern i think that People had things and it was like, if you break it, I will hit you. Yeah. <laughs> and and like, that this was... is precious. <laughs> yeah. Well, even, even when I was growing up, I had, I have no idea. I'm assuming my father still has them. I had this gorgeous collection of porcelain dolls. Oh, yeah. That I used to be terrified of because my mother had them like lined up like on these high shelves, like around my bed, and they would all Looking be staring down at me. over you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, scary. But they were beautifully crafted porcelain dolls. And I had this little porcelain like like clown. Mm-hmm. I wasn't allowed to play with them though. Yes. They weren't toys. They were just like they were like standing up around my room and they were beautiful, but I remember feeling like I wasn't allowed to touch them. Mm-hmm. I had a few weird things that I collected as a kid. I collected piggy banks. I should say banks. I didn't have any that looked like pigs, but like little banks. And then I collected bells. You collected bells? I collected spoons. Yeah. Like just <laughs> just spoons, bells. Yeah. So like little bells. Like I, I think we had a neighbor. I think if I recall correctly, her name was Mrs. Barker, which I only remember because she had a very small dog. Mm-hmm. And, she, and, <laughs> and she had a bunch of bells and she like gifted me a few. And I remember being like, oh, my God, I love these bells. And and so I ended up, like, with a bunch of bells. And I recently, like, unearthed them as I was moving. And I was like, I should give these to Emma. And then immediately went, no. No. <laughs> You'll just break them. Yeah. I don't know how any of my things, every single thing that I loved from when I was a child, I saved and then, like, gave to my kids. And they've broken every single one of them. And I'm just like, I'm not giving you any more of my stuff. Yeah. Or wait till they're a little older, but yeah. No, but like I had I had those things when I was their ages and I don't know how it is that they survived my time. Like was I just raised to be super, super careful and I just haven't raised my kids that way? I don't know. It's a it's a mystery that I don't understand. Yeah, I don't I don't know either. I mean, my, my porcelain dolls, I couldn't physically reach them because they were so high up. So who knows if I could have, but. Yeah, yeah. I think that was a thing starting like the 18th, 19th, centuries was making toys for children that they weren't allowed to play with or they were only allowed to play with it on special occasions like under adult supervision. Yeah. And they had so many fewer toys than we have now. So Mm -hmm. like that really rings true of like 
that's that's a special toy for a special time. Yes. Oi. Maybe that's what it is. Maybe it's that toys are so ubiquitous now and it's like it doesn't matter if I break it because I have another. I have another one, yeah. But if you only have like five toys. Yeah. And three of them are for super special occasions and you just got two. And if you break yeah. one of them, that's it. You only got one. You got one. That's <laughs> so it. Yeah. You got to be careful. Oh, my goodness. That could be it. But I think the fragility of the toys. So so basically, they start to make dolls and tea sets out of porcelain Yep. instead of me- metals. Mm-hmm. And I think that the fragility of the items made them more special. Yeah. And they were for special occasions and they were often hand painted and they were given to little girls as like a very precious, like special gift that you were supposed to take very good care of. It was like given to a little girl, almost like a rite of passage. Like this is your tea set. Mm. That's kind of a cool thing. It It is. As you were talking, what it also made me think of was that it's it's a small girl's first experience with maternal training oh well that too yeah like i'm giving you this thing to take care of it's precious be careful with it and we just we didn't teach boys to take care of things like that you'd never give a boy a tea set right here's a here's a stick go play outside (laughs) go find something to hit yeah it's really it, it's very interesting that that we gave such precious fragile things to girls and mm-hmm. then with the expectation that they would be very very careful with them and how that's sort of indicative of the socialization of young girls. Yes. Yeah, it's interesting. And I think they thought of young girls as more like demure and like well-mannered and like girls can yes gentle they'll be able to take care of this tea set you know or they're expected to (laughs) yeah I mean who knows if they actually did but the, the thing about porcelain in the 18th century especially not so much in the 19th century but especially in the 18th century and very early 19th century porcelain it was easier to make but it was still a very you know precious expensive thing so toy tea sets were really for wealthy children, mm-hmm. you know, they weren't for just your average poor kid. So they were they were a, a symbol of like your status if you had like a a toy tea set. So up until now, I've obviously mainly been talking about the European history of tea sets, but I found a really interesting quote about colonial American times. Hmm. So apparently in colonial times in America, tea was like a big family event, which I guess makes sense when you think about it, you know, a European tradition coming over. I have a quote here. This is from Tea Drinking in 18th Century America. It's etiquette and equipage, E-Q-U-I-P-A-G-E. Have you ever heard that word? No, I haven't. Equipage, equipage. The equipment for a particular purpose. Equipage. Equipage. Yeah, equipage. Yeah, 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 yeah. I was making a fancy equipage. <laughs> equipage. Equipage. That's really funny. Uh, okay, equipage. So... <laughs> Decoupage. Fromage. What is that? Yeah. Fromage? Oh, fromage. Jeez. <laughs> I'm just being goofy now, Diane. 
It is clearly way past my bedtime. <laughs> I'm starting to lose it. Uh, it's okay. good. So this is from 18th century America. It's etiquette and equipage. (laughs) Okay. No doubt, make-believe tea time and pretend tea drinking were a part of some children's playtime activities. No, that's not what I want. (laughs) That's the wrong quote. I'm really on a roll tonight. I'm sorry. (laughs) I love it. I just had this quote. I had it all teed up and ready to go. Uh, All teed up. I didn't even do that on purpose. Um, no, that was the right one. It didn't sound right. Maybe we should just call it quits. Goodbye. This is perfect. Goodbye, everyone. I think this episode needs bloopers. I'm not going to edit it at all. I'm just going to put it in. Uh, okay. So this is the actual quote for real. Here we go. No doubt, make-believe tea time and pretend tea drinking were a part of some children's playtime activities. Perhaps many a little girl played at serving tea and dreamed of having a tea party of her own. But few were as fortunate as young Peggy Livingston, who, at about the age of five, was allowed to invite, by card, 20 young misses to her own tea party and ball. She treated them with all good things and a violin, wrote her grandfather. It's like, like she was five. <laughs> oh my gosh! There were five coaches at the door at ten when they departed. I was much amused. Two hours. <laughs> <laughs> Already in colonial times, tea was such a big part of little girls' lives as it was. Playing pretend of a tea party would have been very natural. It's like how my daughter plays bedtime pretend because we put her to bed every night. You know, yeah. it's like she has a bedtime routine. So I think it, it was just such a routine activity. So for, for me as a modern mom, it's like, why, you know, it's so weird that we play tea party. Why do we do this? But the mm-hmm. origins of it are because it was just an everyday Yeah, it was thing. something they did every day. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah. when we get to around 1865, we get celluloid and bakelite. They hit the market, which are forms of plastic. Mm-hmm. Between World War One and World War II, they start to manufacture a lot of new materials um, and produce things in plastic because it's cheaper, it's strong, it comes in lots of colors, right? So, so obviously, they start to make toys in plastic. It's durable. It's easy to make. The first plastic dolls come out in the mid to late 19th century, and then soon following that are plastic tea sets. Mm. So by the early 1960s, plastic was the dominant material for many toys, including tea sets. Oh, interesting. So it makes sense that when I was little in the 1990s, I had a plastic tea set. Yeah. These porcelain children's tea sets are apparently pretty rare now. And when you find like an old one, they're very valuable. And I think there are have been like different exhibits where you can go see some of these really old vintage like ceramic and porcelain beautifully hand-painted children's tea sets which I find to be so interesting but they make them now obviously mass-produced in plastic but they come in 
different colors, different patterns. They, they're made to look like real tea sets. Sometimes they have like characters on them. I've seen tea sets that look like the Beauty and the Beast characters of like Mrs. Potts and Chip, right? I just find it really cool that tea sets for children never fell out of fashion. They just changed. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. One thing that I I absolutely insist we must do together when the world is sort of somewhat normal again. I don't know if this is something that you've ever done, but it's one of my favorite things to do. And I really want to do it with Emma. And I feel like in like a year or so, Rini will be old enough to do this, is to go into New York and have high tea. Yep. <sighs> you know, there's a place uh, by my house that does high tea. Oh, really? Yes. It's called High Society. Oh, stop it. And it looks, you walk in and it looks like, like an old lady's house and, yeah. and yeah, and you can have tea. So we don't have, I mean, we can go in the city. No, we can all, totally do it there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a lot cheaper. Yeah. The, <laughs> so, so up by us, the only like place to go have high tea is at the Boston Public Library. They have like a tea room. Mm-hmm. It's like $200 to go have high tea there. It's silly. I went to... Brighton a few years ago for work and I went and had high tea like every afternoon because I was like high tea Um, so great it's the best and it was so good every time was like everywhere I go it's so good there's nothing like it and it it feels so fancy and so special and I don't know I just uh, yeah there are a couple places in Boston where you can do it and they're all super expensive and there's maybe a few tea rooms outside of the city but they're not near me so but if there's one real close to you yes the smaller ones are usually better yeah it's actually kind of um halfway between where you grew up in Kinalon and Mm -hmm. where I am it's like up 23 I think it might be in Wayne somewhere around there oh cool but um yeah yeah, we'll definitely have to do that I hope it survived the pandemic I have not checked but it was very great place I'm so glad you brought up high tea because I wanted to talk a little bit about a special memory of mine regarding tea. Oh, You know, my grandmother, uh, my grandma Marie, she would have been 100 years old this <gasps> month. Oh my goodness. Grandma yes, Marie. She passed away last year just before her 99th birthday from COVID. Mm. And I firmly believe if COVID were not a thing, she would still be here. But um, one of the most wonderful memories I have of growing up is that she used to invite my cousins and my brother and I to high tea at her house. And she would put on this elaborate high tea. Um, she would make all the finger sandwiches and scones, clotted cream <sighs> and you know the lemon curd, different types of tea. And we would drink out of actual china and everybody had to dress up. We wore our like our Easter dresses and our hats and you had to like dress to the nines and she would serve high tea at her house like a couple times a year. And it was a big event for us. And it was like, it was so exciting to go to grandma's house and have high tea. And you had to like do all the correct manners and use the right like plates and everything. But it was, she made it fun. Yeah. And and I just, I have really, really great memories of doing that. So maybe one day we can put on our own high tea for the yeah. cousins. Yes. A hundred percent. I went to a wedding shower that was a high tea wedding shower that, that like her grandmother did it at her house. And 
they had like 80 people coming to the house, right, for this big shower. And so they went to thrift shops and found all these. So every place setting looked different. Everyone had like a different tiny teaspoon and a different tiny teacup on a different saucer. And it was just so whimsical and lovely. Tea parties are just so fun. They are. They're so fun. They're lovely. They are really fun. This was so sweet. And it really, really transported me. Good. I'm glad. This was a very sweet episode, considering the last few from you have been. I know such downers. So, like, and and my other topic, my my other topic was a little bit of a no oh, so, fun. So uh, eventually, you guys will get that one. But yeah, I... yeah, in the next couple of weeks, we'll we'll have it. We'll have another downer from Diane. It'll be good. Uh, I know. I'm trying to switch it up a little bit. I'm truly a very happy person. Jen can attest to that. I think it's good that you do the sad episodes because you are such a you are such an upbeat person that it <laughs> it balances. Yeah, and and I think I I do I have a very happy life and a, a happy outlook, but I am a little bit like morbidly like fascinated by the oh, yeah. the macabre and the and the you know depressing and weird. So as we all are, I think a little bit. I think bit. so. Yeah, and and I think part of that fascination, it's like. It's like with any sort of – this is a weird thing to compare it to, but it's sort of like with any sort of kink, right? Like yeah. you want to do the things that are illicit, that aren't allowed, that are gross, that are, you know, like whatever. And it's like the brain has is just drawn to things that it shouldn't be. It's like this is awful. This is a thing I shouldn't be interested in. This is like I, – I have spent countless hours just like ruminating over things that I know are bad for my brain. but. I, I get sucked in and I'm like, I've, I just need to know more about this topic. Yeah, you go down the <laughs> rabbit hole. And it's... Yeah. So it's, I mean, there's a reason why murder podcasts are so popular. I know. Uh, <laughs> I'm guilty of listening to some of them. Okay. Mm-hmm. But anyway, it was fun to dive into something kind of like light and fluffy and yeah. a little nostalgic. At this point, when you're hearing this, we're probably at around 2,000 downloads for the show. So crazy. Very exciting. So help us celebrate and get way more downloads by writing us a review, please. And thank you. It's like, it's a really helpful way to tell the online algorithms that we have some value. Rate the show, review the show, tell your friends about the show. Every person you tell about it is is another possibility that we'll get listened to. And mm-hmm. I, I, for one, think our show is phenomenal. So <laughs> I- <laughs> You might be a little biased. <laughs> I'm a little biased. But that's okay. Let us know what you think about the show. Also, let us know if you have any wonderful tea set memories because we'd love to hear them. Obviously, Diane and I, we're just, we're suckers for a good tea story. We are. Send them our way and yeah you can find us on lots of places on the internet including facebook instagram twitter tiktok (laughs) we're always at opdw podcast our gmail address is opdw podcast at gmail.com so yeah get in touch with us send all of our stuff out to people in your life and uh yeah we're glad you're here so glad you're here 
And our music is by Theo Rosenberg. So thank you, Theo. Thank you, Theo. (laughs) All right, Diane, until next time. We can't all be as fortunate as Peggy Livingston, but we can have our own tea parties. (laughs) 